Welcome to the Room of Lives. This concluding part of my conversation with Jackie is about beauty and love. Is beauty a trap, both for those who are beautiful as well as those who are pursuing it? Is there a beauty that does not create misery and judgment? Is love only a chemical cocktail? If so, would it be ethical to manufacture a love drug and give it to everyone? If you enjoy visiting the Room of Lives, consider supporting me by donating dye or ether to abhranil.eth. That's A-B-H-R-A-N-I-L dot E-T-H. So why do you think beauty is a trap? I think beauty is a trap from... It's almost like a two-way street, right? So beauty is a trap not only to those people who are staring at the beauty themselves, but also to those people who are being considered as beautiful. Yeah, and I think it might be easier to explain why it feel like beauty is a trap for those people who are beautiful, just to start with. Mm. Um, because I think beauty standards a lot of times are distractions, especially to um, someone who often receives compliments from other people. For example, I think, and it might sound a little bit cynical, but I, I do think you know, the easiest way of not letting a pretty girl to concentrate or um, continuously learn or focus on what she's interested in is just to throw unrealistic beauty standard at this girl all the time. Yeah. Because maintaining beauty is something that requires a large amount of time, money, effort, and mind space. And if you focus or, you know, decide to spend a lot of your time, your effort into maintaining your physical appearance or maintaining beauty, then it's almost very natural that you don't have much space left for other stuff. Yeah. And I think why, the reason why I said that beauty is also a trap for uh, people that are staring at beauty is because it's so it's so overwhelming at first sight that people often overlook other things like for example if you if you see a super pretty girl then the first thought you would have obviously it's going to be oh my gosh she's so pretty i can't even look at her and then your your mind is so preoccupied by this thought, you don't really think about, you know, what kind of person she is, or you don't even have a, um, maybe you would, but like the thought of trying to know her better as a person um, instead of as a female would be less, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like your interest towards her beauty would be dominant. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
then you wouldn't have as much interest in knowing what's lying under that beauty. Yeah. Yeah. So the interesting thing for me was that both of the issues that you mentioned about why beauty is a trap for the beautiful as well as the person who is seeking beauty, both of those reasons had to do with the occupancy of mental attention. Like yes. what is, if, if beauty is taking up attention, then it is at the cost of other things. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, the, the assumption here is that our mind space is limited and we could only focus mm-hmm. on a number of things and it's not like a, a Google Drive that could yeah. expand inf- infinitely. Which I don't know necessarily if it's a if it's a true statement, mm. whether um, you know there's going to be depletion of mind just from my own observation of myself. I think that's true, but I I, I wouldn't know if that's going to be true for other people. But yeah, mm. I do think it's it's oftentimes a trade off. You have to know how to allocate your limited time and energy and yeah. attention. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever personally felt distracted in this way? A lot of times. Okay. A lot of times. And I think it's probably also something to do with gender Mm. um, and how society have different expectations based on your gender. Um, Well, again, it's also culturally based because in different cultures, the expected roles of each gender might be phrased differently um, but I, I guess from my background oftentimes women are expected to you know um, have a better physical appearance or pay attention to uh, the physical appearance much more than men are required to yeah because I think people almost think that it's part of females' responsibilities to, <laughs> to look pretty, you know. And I hate saying that it that way, but it almost feel like it we, kind of is. yeah. It also yeah, it, it, it almost feel like yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's pretty unfair. Yeah. It is pretty unfair. Yeah. So that's kind of funny because this phenomenon that you're talking about of. Uh-huh like beauty in women and this whole thing in some ways it also makes me i'm a guy yeah it makes me feel unfair like it makes me feel in some ways that it's unfair and for different reasons than yours but i wanted to get to this point that i think the downsides of beauty exceed just the fact that it's like taking up attention i think there's something else that is kind of, well, I want to say it's kind of like problematic. I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So if you, so I was thinking about this while we were uh, taking a nap outside. I was like smoking my joint and thinking about this. By the way, it's completely fine. <laughs> it's my podcast. I smoke joints. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. All right. So I was thinking about this beauty thing and ostensibly which is to say like apparently on the surface the common notion is that beauty is a good thing that 
it is like is this beautiful thing and you want it in your life so it is like intrinsically good however if i go into myself and notice what it feels like to see something beautiful or to see someone beautiful is that immediately there is this urge to want to consume or have that in right. some way so like kind if of a, a willing of possession yeah so, so you're like objectifying yeah beauty like i want to consume that beauty in some way right so um like if it's a beautiful woman the end goal is like okay i want to have sex with this person <laughs> Okay. that may be one way but that may not be completely like i also want to be with this person have this person near me and you know so it's all of these ways of trying to get this thing right. to get this thing and there's something selfish about that and i feel like a truer kind of beauty is not a selfish beauty uh where it's something that you want to get at it's hard for me to describe it really but i think a truer form of beauty is a kind of giving beauty so you think it's hard for you to just kind of stand in distance and appreciate beauty yourself but much more like when you see something that's very beautiful you just want to grab it and take it or yeah in some cases so there are different kinds of beauty when i see beauty in nature i don't want to try to grab it and take it mm-hmm. also there are things that people would consider Well, no, that's kind of yeah, that that doesn't matter. That's like going too far afield. But I have noticed that for example with the sexual attraction towards women, some would say that okay, so this is what makes a woman more beautiful is how physically am I attracted to her? Mm-hmm. But I noticed that that energy actually brings with it a kind of misery. Like I notice that beauty and somehow it's not sufficient for me to just stand there. and watch this person the attainment of happiness does not happen there it's just this kind of need now to go and do something about it i don't think everyone feels feels the way that i do because i've talked to other people and i've definitely talked to guys who say that they're content to just sit and, and observe a beautiful person yeah but i find that that is not the case with me there is a voice that immediately says like i need to do something about this i need right. to like go and approach her and like talk to her whatever and then there's like this other voice that comes up from like my spiritual practices that's like you know there's no point you shouldn't be doing this just like be happy here yourself you're making yourself miserable blah 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 and and then like this back and forth will keep happening and i will become kind of miserably tangled up in my thoughts so i've gone to for example electronic dance music shows where i'm completely happy dancing to the music alone and then i notice some hot girls there <laughs> and 5 minutes later i'm just miserably debating in my head about my life goals and principles <laughs> and things like that and i'm like fuck this shit i'm out of here <laughs> like i left and came back home because of the great like tumult that it created in my head yeah. <laughs> and so i was like this definitely did no good for me <laughs> this beauty and anyway by the way the one thing that i must say is that all of these rationalizations can be viewed as the justifications of an intelligent person who just can't get laid so he's like <laughs> making excuses for himself <laughs> that could also be a like a big bias in whatever uh-huh. i'm saying i was uh-huh. like smoking a joint outside and thinking it's also maybe a big coincidence that i haven't gotten laid in a long time <laughs> and am i just like 
just constructing this it's elegant... It's like an imbalance of chemicals <laughs> in your body or something. Yeah, and I just construct this big, beautiful cathedral of philosophical <laughs> support for whatever I'm just... Like, mm-hmm. all right, anyway, I, I'm not sure. No, I that. think the, the biggest problem I see with beauty is it almost would never be um, democratic, I think. Even though people are always saying, you know, you should have a diversity of beauty or we should have diverse standard of beauty and beauty could be in all different kind of um, forms. I still think for something that's truly beautiful, it would be something that just surprise you or astonish you immediately and you would know that this thing is beautiful without even saying. And that's... That means if if a thing is beautiful to that extent, then a lot of other things would be categorized as ugly. Right. So 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 beautiful things are always just the rare categories, and the rest of the categories would just be categorized as ugly or mediocre or bland or whatever you call it. So with the concept of beauty, there comes comparison. And it almost would never end as long as you still consider, oh, this is, you know, beautiful for me to appreciate or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you have really hit upon a very crucial point. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So. If there's no comparison, then there's no beauty at all. Yeah, right. So I think this is connected to what I was talking about in the sense that when I mentioned that like beauty makes me miserable because it makes me want to go and attain it, yeah, uh, it also points to this quality of beauty and whatever is the negative of beauty being two sides of the same coin. Like because beauty is this like great thing that you want to attain, you immediately define for yourself what misery is, and misery isn't like the non-attainment of beauty. So when I see a girl and she seems beautiful, immediately my thought is, I am without it. And mm-hmm. it's like a feeling of misery. So one of my friends who does a lot of meditation was telling me that at some point he had gained enough clarity of mind to really see the succession of his thoughts in real time when he saw a beautiful woman. And he said that in fact that feeling that arose or the thought that arose was a negative feeling, a miserable feeling. So it was creating misery, but it happened so fast that you're confused about it, and it ends up being this feeling, also because of cultural conditioning, of something good that you want to go towards. But in Buddhism, they always say not to engage in this dynamics of uh, attraction, uh, craving and aversion so what is craving is the opposite side of aversion the mm-hmm. moment you create craving for one thing above others you have also created aversion they are not right. two separate things it's the same thing exactly yeah it's like setting a temperature gradient and and watching the heat flow yeah so <laughs> the um the craving is maybe the cool um okay so okay i'm just going to give a physics analogy here <laughs> all right so, imagine that you have a, like a long metallic rod mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's conducting heat from one side to the other. On the one side, it's in an oven 
and it's really hot in the oven. On the other side, it's in a bath of like ice water, okay? So the end product of both of these things is that it forces heat to flow from one direction to the other. In other words, both the ice water and the oven are motivations for the same movement, which is the heat flowing. Mm -hmm. In this case, the and it doesn't so much matter how chill the ice water is versus how hot the oven is, only the relative thing matters. So you can always like make, make the oven hotter in order to have the same effect, and you can make the ice water colder. So when we look at beauty or the urge to go towards beauty as this kind of flow, it is driven by both motivations. One is the motivation of what you want to attain. In the case of the rod, the molecules want to attain a lower temperature. Mm -hmm. In the case of beauty, what you want to attain is this uh, attraction. And, but simultaneously, you want to get away from the opposite of beauty. And it's really the same thing as going towards beauty. There's no difference between them. Yeah. So if there is no difference between those two, then there is no way to create beauty and not to create like aversion or ugliness. Exactly. So exactly. the sum total of that game is kind of negative. Yeah. If you like it. It's almost like for a group of people to feel beautiful about themselves, you have to make the other group of people feel miserable and ugly about themselves. Yeah. And oftentimes, even though the group of people who are feeling beautiful about themselves still or not having all positive feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And it might sound a little bit, you know, not so political correct, but yeah, that's how I feel about it. That there's almost no way of demonetizing beauty as a yeah. concept. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to make this unfounded claim that, well, not a claim, but I have this feeling that it's possible to discover a kind of non... Well, this kind of beauty that you've described is a beauty that stands only in contrast to ugliness. And if there's no ugliness, there won't be any beauty. Yeah. But I think it's possible to find beauty that is that does not make anything ugly in contrast. For example? Okay, well, actually, I kind of hesitate to talk about this because I don't think I'm mature enough yet okay. to talk about it. But I think when you feel love, everything becomes beautiful. And it's not at the cost of anything else. Hmm. And the lack of love makes this true beauty into this kind of comparative beauty slash ugly thing. Um... Like, in love, everything becomes beautiful. Yeah, I think that would only exist, well, the the scenario set in which there is a true form of beauty that doesn't make anything else feel ugly um, is only when you have equal amount of love for everything. Yeah. Then that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And I think in that light, in that perspective of looking at the world with love, everything appears beautiful. Yeah. I have simulated or faked this feeling on mushrooms, but it makes me suspect that it is possible to feel that way in real life. Mm -hmm. 
and I have some reason to believe for believing that it is possible to feel that way. I kind of understand the love we were talking about. You know, it sounds like it's a it's a love for the whole humankind or for the whole world for yeah. everything that's out there. Yeah. For life. For life. Yeah. And I've thought about that as well, but I think for me it's very easy to feel that kind of grand big love for the whole species of human being or for the for the whole world. But when it comes to specific love to individuals, that's when it gets hard. Yeah. Because I think when you're talking about this kind of love for the whole world, it's it could be much more abstract, and you could easily love someone who you you've had you haven't had direct interactions with. But when you talk about love for someone, maybe were mean to you, or were bad to you, or had done some harm to you, then the love to that person or for that person specifically is much harder yeah 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 well yeah in a sense i feel like i don't have the right to beautiful things until i start start to love ugly things is that what you're trying to say until I start to see beauty in things that earlier I did not consider beautiful. I feel like beauty is this intersubjective thing, which is not, I mean, it's not objective that you can like look at it and point at it and say that's beautiful. Because the same thing can be beautiful to a person and not beautiful to another person. So we don't have this objective thing like, I don't know, one kilogram of rice. That's just sitting there. And everyone <laughs> will point at it and say, okay, that's one kilogram of rice. Yeah. And you can give it to a person and it will be one kilogram of rice. Right. But with beauty, is this very kind of subjective thing where some people see beauty in a thing, other people don't see it. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, I feel like beauty is this very personal thing which you are not so much create, not so much observing or perceiving, but creating at the same time that you're perceiving it. So it's like an internal creation. And so I think there's like this big feedback loop that's connecting the creation of beauty and the appreciation of beauty. Specify on that. Yeah, it's like hard to. <laughs> okay, so the, it kind of in general goes to the question of what is this world? You know, is there an objective world out there or are we creating the world as we perceive it? In, in the sense that you take this view that we are creating the world as we perceive it, we are also creating beauty as we perceive it. The question of whether beauty comes from the external world and hits us or we create beauty and f send it out to the external world is, I don't think you can really resolve it. It just seems that when you cast your eyes on certain things, this sense of beauty arises. And I see, I see, I see. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying... It's you staring at the object makes the object beautiful. It's beauty is not some intrinsic attribute this object has to itself. I'm saying you cannot tell which is which. I, I mean, where is beauty coming from? Was it objectively in the object? And then, of course, I was attracted to it. 
or, or am I simply because of your attraction then yeah that I just like arbitrarily because of some arbitrary coding in my head I get fixated with this random arbitrary thing in nature maybe like what is a reproductive plant part like a flower and I'm like wow that's really cool and everyone comes and says yeah that's really cool because they're wired like me they have the same brain they all arbitrarily like the same thing and so we all get together and decide flowers are beautiful and then many generations later, children grow up in the society being told that flowers are beautiful and they get all confused like, oh, are flowers beautiful because people are telling us and or do we make them beautiful? You know, but in the very beginning, it's just this thing that we looked at and a sense of beauty arose. And I'm just saying that let's go back to the fundamentals and the fundamentals are that we don't know whether we create beauty or the world gives us beauty. All we know is that there is a sense of beauty arising. I mean, I guess you can explain that biologically or from a natural selection point, you know, like especially mm. when you're, when we're talking about beauty from beauty standards that we perceived from the opposite sex. <laughs> like, for example, like maybe sometimes we see a girl with big boobs or like big ass and we think it's beautiful. Then, of course, from a natural selection standpoint, you can argue that it's because girls with big boobs, big boobs or big asses are um, better or have a better chance of giving um, birth to healthier kids mm, or have yeah. a better reproducing ability, mm. I guess. I don't know if that's true, by the way. I don't know if that's true, but that's yeah. just something I read about like natural selection and how natural selection argues for our definitions of beauty standards. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that's backwards logic or forwards logic. Like someone said, oh, we have to explain why people like big boobs and big asses. And so according to the theory of natural selection, this is the only consistent answer. Yeah. That it must be that women's women with big boobs and asses give rise to give birth to healthy babies. Yeah. But that might be backwards logic starting from the axioms of natural selection. Yeah. May not be like forward proofed. In the first yeah. place. Yeah. Or just like, you know, having a symmetrical face are oftentimes perceived to be more attractive. But why is that? Yeah. I think there is something biological about, you know, having a symmetrical face. Maybe it means your 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 gene pool are like more clean than other people or something like that, but mm. It's hard to articulate what exactly it is biologically that makes us, you yeah. know, attracted to people who are who are more symmetrical than others. Yeah. yeah. So what about love? Like, do you believe in love? So are we finished talking about beauty, or is it just something you want to talk? Well, about? I wanted to club this together with the love. Oh, okay. <laughs> love is. Love is great. I think love is great. You think love is great? <laughs> I think love is great. <laughs> I think it's really hard to give love a, a a description or or like a summary of me telling what exactly is love for me. I think it's 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 one of those nonverbal things. Mm. I think it's it's one of those things that you could only feel and it, it would be very hard to describe. Yeah. Yeah. But your question was, is love just a mixture of certain chemicals? Chemicals, yeah. Yeah. 
And if so, can we recreate love by recreating that chemical mixture? Right. What right. do you think? Do you think that love is a mixture of chemicals? I think it could be. And I wonder if you have like the right ratio of dopamines <laughs> and <laughs> um, serotonins and adrenalines maybe, mm-hmm. then you would be able to rec- recreate exactly the sensation that you would feel when you're in love. Yeah. Yeah. And so your question was, would it be unethical to do that? Right. Do you think it would be unethical to do that? Like, okay, so if I, mm. let's say, if I create a love drug today, and by the way, I have no plans of creating a love drug. Yeah. FBI, if you're hearing this, please don't <laughs> deport me or anything. <laughs> Yeah, but if you're creating a love drug in which you just kind of like have the perfect mix of whatever chemical substance that yeah. that's out there, and every time after you consume this love drug, you you're like madly in love and it feels so great, it feels like heaven. But the only thing is, you have to rely on this drug to be able to feel love. Do you think that's ethical? Well, the logical thing for me to say would be that there is nothing unethical about it. Yeah. Because if all of, if the concern is about love, which the concern of ethics is about, you know, love and kindness and like being nice to everyone, etc. Yeah. So if the whole point of ethics is love, then if a drug delivers it directly, then it should be the most ethical thing. You know, just direct delivery of love. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that ethics has been trying to safeguard, is how most human beings should be given the most kindness, fairness, justice, which are just like words for love, in my opinion. Um, so then this drug is like the most ethical thing, and you should make sure that like people get it. So that is the kind of shallow treatment of that situation. A little bit more deeply, it seems that I'm hesitant to say that this drug should just be given to everyone because it feels from inside me that there should be some measure of struggle in attaining love if it is true I was going to say that, yes. Yeah, I don't know where this sense comes from. Yeah. But I feel like, maybe from a sense of fairness, like I feel like any love that I have attained in life has sometimes been after struggle. Exactly. And it feels better at that time. Yes. If it has been at the end of struggle. Yes, I was going to say, I think personal opinion, Hmm. you wouldn't be able to know what true love is before you experience true struggling. Yeah. But then I know it sounds very contradictory to the statement I just made that love could be just a pure mix of chemicals. Yeah. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking yeah, yeah. about, but... Well, you know, I mean, someone else could come yeah. and say that this is a kind of, uh, is it like a schadenfreude? Well, anyway, what it is, is that they'll come and say, hey, you had to struggle and suffer in order to get love. But this next generation of humans has access to this drug where they don't have to struggle. And the reason that you want to come in the way of this drug is because you want other humans to suffer as you have which is the opposite Mm. of love. So, I don't know. I can't make up my mind. 
I think the reason why I think it wouldn't be at, like as ethical is because imagine one day if everybody in the society is taking this love drug and they're feeling euphoria every day from the the effect that this drug is giving them, then love wouldn't be love anymore because love wouldn't be love without suffering. Yeah, but maybe it is possible to feel that same love without suffering. And it's just a coincidence that we have also felt suffering. But then love would be a very daily thing. It wouldn't give you as much of the euphoria you're feeling. Um, that is in this the... world. But you're talking about, imagine a drug that whose effects yeah, take constant. Yeah, I know, constant... I know. But like you're constantly in this euphoria. That euphoria yeah. just becomes life for you. Yeah. And love isn't anything special anymore. Because you're experiencing it every second. That would happen to a normal mind. Yeah. But what if this drug also makes your mind says that you never feel fatigued of this love, that those thoughts never arise, you never feel... I'm not saying you would feel fatigue. I'm saying when you don't have <coughs> yeah. a comparison that you could compare yeah. the feeling of love to, yeah. then the feeling of love just becomes baseline. Yeah, but maybe they still keep feeling happiness throughout. Of course they would yeah. know. I mean, of course they would feel happy throughout but mm. how would they know that it's happiness yeah i don't know about that <laughs> because it's just baseline for them yeah. you know because it's just everyday life for them yeah i can i can i can imagine a person just being held in this state of bliss for infinite time i think but, eventually then it would yeah. become just a very peaceful kind of we don't know what will happen i was just talking about this I know. completely yeah. hypothetical it's all situation. it's all in our like <laughs> Imagination, yeah. whatsoever. It would just like come to baseline. Yeah. yeah, it would just becomes the mean. Yeah. The expected value. So was that going to be your thought as well on the question of whether that love drug is ethical? Yeah, I think. I think it's hard to say, when. When it becomes very available. Mm. Yeah. Love is precious in a sense because it's scarce. Mm. When it becomes readily available and when it becomes your daily life, then I don't know how much um, excitement and euphoria you would feel towards love anymore. Mm -hmm. Because you pretty much get used to this thing. Yeah. But when it came to beauty, you kind of argued in the opposite direction. What do you that mean? beauty is the rare thing. And so by virtue of it being rare, it categorizes a bunch of other things as ugly. Yeah. So in that same way, love in being this kind of rare thing that you have to get out the struggle and stuff, by virtue of being rare, casts so many things into being non-love. So isn't there something kind of also implicitly evil about the idea of love? in the same way that there was something kind of problematic about the idea of beauty. It was creating more misery. And isn't that what love is also creating? By being 10% of our experience, it's making the 90% just... I think it's different love. because love is an experience. But beauty is something much more like a judgment you make. I'm not sure about that distinction. That's what I was talking about when I said, I don't know if we are creating it, or it already exists, or what. <coughs> All I know is that there's a sense called beauty that arises when I perceive something, which is 
similarly to how I feel about love. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm giving love to this homeless person or they give me a sensation of love which is making me help them or whatever. <coughs> but a sense of love arises in that happening. Right, but... So love... in that sense, I don't know how love and beauty are different. Well, love is an emotion, <coughs> right? Mm. But beauty is much more like an attribute. It's like a label we put on. Yeah, but it might be a semantic problem. That it's the same thing, but we just interpret it in multiple different ways. Uh, yeah. The difference is, I don't think there is anything... Being used to love or having love as baseline, it wouldn't be evil or it wouldn't be super bad or something like that. It would just make love lose um, its preciousness right now. But I'm not saying if you're experiencing love on a daily basis, it's going to be toxic to you. Yeah. No, I don't think that's that's the, that's the case. Mm. I'm just arguing when it becomes um, something that people get used to, yeah. then... It stops being... It stops being that yeah. precious thing anymore. Yeah. yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Whereas when we talk about beauty, being categorized as ugly hurts. Mm. So that's the difference. Mm. Yeah, but also being disconnected from love hurts. And being so? categorized as ugly is the same thing as being disconnected from love. Do you think everybody should be loved? Do you think it's it's bad to feel like unloved or... Yeah. You know, when I'm on the receiving end for being unloved then it becomes clear that I shouldn't be doing this to other people. Yeah. Like, I can imagine just being born into the world physically ugly or whatever, and through no fault of your own, people don't love you. And that feels like a bad thing to have to happen to you. But we deal it out on a daily basis to other people Mm -hmm. who are ugly. So... In the interest of the golden rule, you know, golden rule is do unto me, do unto other people as I would they should do unto me. Meaning do to other people what you would want them to do to you. Yeah. In the principle, according to that golden rule principle, you ought to love everyone. In order to, in order to claim love from everyone. Which is what the ultimate thing is. So, yeah. But there is something in me that prevents me from loving everything equally. What do you think is that? I don't know. It's the, the, it's the what do you call it? The original sin of man. You know, they ate the apple. <laughs> Before that, everything was fine. And then God was like, all right, I'm going to send you guys on an adventure. I'm going to kick you out from my love for some time. And then you struggle. And... Uh, then maybe you'll get it back. This story of kind of separation from the one source and love and then the struggle and then reattainment and the cycle, this has been told in many different 
cultures and religions. So it might just be some pointing to some underlying vein of truth about what this universe is really about that keeps popping up in these different cultures. And what do you mean by the underlying truth? So I was hoping to get to that with the podcast that I wanted to do about my spiritual evolution. At the end, I wanted to kind of summarize what roughly are, what is roughly my viewpoint now, as opposed to when I used to be more of a militant atheist. And so this question comes very close to that question of what is my belief of the nature of reality? And you ask me, what is this vein of truth? And um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But this is not a material world, and consciousness does not arise from the material world. Um, and like all of us are connected, all of this is one thing manifesting as many different things. And I'm not actually going to die because, in some way, I am life. I am life. And also, it's all about love. I don't know exactly what that means. But the only reason the anything is happening at all, there are all these fake reasons that humans make up, like purpose of life, we've got to do this, earn a lot of money. But, and they ultimately vanish because they see that those purposes are fake. There is really no purpose. And the fact that all of these things are happening without purpose is because love. Love has no purpose. Love is just there. And that is a word that we can use for things that happen without purpose. And I think therefore everything is love. But it sounds to me like love is just like this name or this group of things that you haven't figured out whether there's a purpose or not, so you just attribute all the things into this group of love, you know? Um, no. There are things that I'm... If there is a thing for which I don't know whether there is a purpose or not, mm -hmm. I wouldn't immediately classify it as, like, being love. I don't really... I mean, all of this discussion that is happening right now about the purpose of things or not purposes of things, these are just like intellectual debates. Ultimately, nothing has a purpose. I agree. So, it's, it's less important whether I have figured out the purpose of something or not. You know, I mean, human beings are self-contradictory, like I'm self-contradictory. Um, as they say, like, I contain multitudes. So, even as I'm having this conversation with you, and telling you nothing has purpose, three days later, I will be worried about the purpose of something. Because we can't manage to keep the same perspective all the time. Yeah. So sometimes I worry about things and their purpose. But ultimately, nothing has any purpose. But the fact that things are still happening without purpose is another name for what I would call love. And this is not the same thing as what people understand when they say love. There's all kinds of ideas. There could be just like the real 
purpose driven like carnal pleasure of like wanting to have sex with someone whatever so the word love is kind of complicated to use thank you for joining Jackie and me for this conversation i hope you enjoyed hanging out with us and that you will visit again take care until next time